my notes, which I for some reason closed. Can't believe you betray us like this. I've had so much happening. I fucking I put up the recap episode yesterday. I saw it. I saw it in my feed. You did the thing. <laughs> I did do the thing. Uh, like 40 minutes long for just me, but that's not bad. Better than what was the previous attempt? An hour and a half or whatever. I mean, the the previous attempt at my own recording, like. The actual recording time took like two hours. Well, no, that's not true. The, the previous actual recording time when I tried to do a solo episode um, was like somewhere around like 45 minutes, um, but it was also a very lazy um, episode, and I, I openly admit to that just because it was like, I was frustrated at the time after losing like audio files and not being able to get it back mm -hmm. so she's like I, I gotta get this out like I don't want to rewatch these episodes I know Sam doesn't want to rewatch these episodes let's just get it out there let's cover it um but then uh the time when we lost my audio and then I flipped we flipped a coin to see whether or not I uh just recorded new audio to match yours mm -hmm. um that one took like three or four hours just because I was editing your audio to make it sound as natural as possible, but the actual episode ended up being like 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, yeah like it was literally a, we lost the thing, so let's flip a coin to see whether you take the cursed option or we just tell people, hey, there was a, that, we could have just said, hey. There's an episode missing. We lost it. See you next week. Sure, right. <laughs> but I can never make things easy, is the thing. Sam can attest to this. I have to make things difficult all the time. As long as it's difficult for you, not for me, it's fine. <laughs> God. Um, uh... Actually, the important part is... As, as long as you are aware when I mention the alternative, if you choose to make things difficult, that's on you and I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's always been your outlook and I've always appreciated it. Fair enough, yeah. It's like, listen, I will, I will, give, I will give you the information, I will give you an option to not do this thing. If you choose to do this thing, that's on you. Enjoy yourself. Go forth. <laughs> God. I might have gotten one of my co-workers interested in the show. Funnily enough, one of my leads. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Just because um, I, I went in yesterday for like a bit of overtime because I've been having um, I've been having trouble waking up on time. Mm -hmm. So I've gone in a couple times like two hours late just because I've woken up at like 9 a.m. or whatever. Um, no. Yeah, no, it's been hmm, not ideal. But I've gone in to, like, make up those hours just because, like, my work has been pretty understanding and, like, I don't mm -hmm. mind working there. Um, but yesterday I went in to, like, our receiving warehouse, which is not where I normally work. Um, mm -hmm. But I know both leads there. Uh, I got to the warehouse yesterday because uh, we had, like, agreed that, like, 10 to 12 was, like, an all right amount of time for me to be there. Um, sure. And there was two cars there. <laughs> and I was like, um, 
Where's everybody else? Because there's a weekend shift. I get in there, and it's just both my, both the, like, Linwood team leads in there, and they're just like, oh, everybody else called out. <laughs> yeah. I was just, okay. There was a weekend shift. There was a weekend shift, indeed. Um, so I got there, and, um, but both the leads are pretty chill. Like, one of them is just, like, this really sweet, uh, really sweet lady, um, and the other is, like, I want to say, like, a guy I would assume is in his late 30s or early 40s. Um, I don't know that much about him, except that he's always been nice, and he um, definitely listens to, like, death metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, we just were talking a lot yesterday, because it was just the three of us, of course. Um, Found out he likes Final Fantasy, like, a lot. So we talked about Final Fantasy for, like, an hour um, he asked me if I thought Persona 5 was a good game to get into, because he was thinking about getting it, and I went, I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> but, um, past that, we started talking about anime, and I mentioned we had a podcast, and he was like, oh, fuck, you do? I, give me the link, like, send it to me in Teams. And I was like, okay. So I sent him the link, and I guess we might have a new listener soon. Yeah, I would have been absolutely not. I would have said, you can't do that. You couldn't torture it out of me. I'll mention my podcast, but you can't listen to it. God, I don't really care. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. You're chill. Fair okay. enough. Spe- like, speaking, if, of if you, speaking of Persona. Speaking of Persona. What? What's, what's uh, up with Persona? No, finish the thing you were saying. I just have an anecdote for this morning. Oh, no, that's it. I'm just very curious what you have to say now. Uh, someone in a different Discord is, like, starting to play the game, and they were mentioning, like, yeah, because uh, Royale just came out on the uh, on Steam, right? Yeah, uh, it's on Game Pass, too. So a lot more people are playing it, and a lot of people just haven't played the, the base version. The So some one of the things that Royale does is it folds into some... Uh, DLC personas that you can just summon for free at the start of the game mm-hmm. and most of them are like extremely late game uh, like power levels but yep. and you know he was the person was like you know I could just use them but oh well fuck it it's overpowered persona let's go and uh, so I chimed in I have played the game but I said oh my assumption is that these are made for like Hey, you play through vanilla because this. I my understanding is that Royale's story like is a little bit different. It ends differently and also has a, se- a different character, and it go it keeps going past the ending of the yeah. original uh, version. Correct. Uh, so it's like okay, well, if you've already played the fucking thing, here's the superpower version, and you understand how to use them. So have fun. And someone's like, not really. They're DLC personas that they decide to give you for free in these ports. They were always meant to be busted. Also, it's not recommended to use them because they use up your SP like crazy, yada yada. And I'm like, so you're saying that in this version of the game, they're available and those who have already played through the game and understand the mechanics of the game can use them to really bolster their early game and go faster if they know what the God. fuck they're doing. Like, right. I'm like, Jesus. You're, you're just saying the same thing that I'm saying. Like, Right. God. Like, uh, That's I, very frustrating. The thing is... Gamer brain. That sounds like a Persona fan to me. <laughs> like, there's no way yes. around it. That sounds like a Persona fan to me. 
You know I'm, what? You're not wrong. I'm like I'll I'll just chalk it up that. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, what you mentioned about like uh Royale like extending past the ending of the game, and like doing new stuff that is correct. I think since four that I think that is just kind of a staple of the franchise now is releasing a game and then like a year or two later releasing an updated version of the game that changes some things and then adds like a whole extra chapter or whatever uh onto the end that makes everything make yeah. even less sense the thing is like there's some part of me that wants to go back and replay three because while i still think three has like a lot of problems like a, a lot a lot of problems uh, that, that that is the one I most fondly remember, and the one that I think would make me like hate myself the least um, for playing it. Because <laughs> like I I've tried to go back and play four. I don't know why I've tried that, but I go back and instantly I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. I mean, my understanding, <laughs> my understanding is that as far as fucked up gender bullshit, for like. It got, it suddenly got drastically worse in 4 and kept going in 5. <laughs> and, like, it's, stu it's stuff that just doesn't exist in 3, as far as I'm aware. Or is there, but, like, to a far lesser level. Like, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't played 3. I think a lot about the sort of trajectory my life might have taken. If I had picked up Persona 3 when I was thinking mm. about it when I was like 15 or 16. Yeah, grim but game for that that age. Yeah, the way that people were talking about it on the internet led me to believe that it would like be a Silent Hill 2 level horrific <laughs> oh uh, trying experience. And so I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. See, uh, the, the thing is, the dichotomy between where the sh series turns is Persona 3 is the one that, like, really introduces, like, the, the like, quote-unquote dating mechanics, like, social links and all that. Right. But, yep. like, it, it's different in that with 3, the primary focus isn't that the characters are exploring aspects of themselves through dungeons related to them, whereas 4 is. Three, there's one mm -hmm. big central dungeon, and you're just exploring that, and stuff kind of happens around the characters, and they learn more about themselves through what happens in the actual world. And four, it's like, here's this dungeon that is about this specific character that you know, barely, and we're going to explore all their deepest fears, and it just so happens all those deepest fears are going to be about, like, how I'm afraid I'm gay, or I'm afraid I'm a man, and then we're just going to, like, step back on all of that. And instead of embracing those fears and being like, you know, I can actually be gay and be happy that way. We're just going to be like, no, I'm just a guy. I'm just a, I'm just a dude. And I like, I like sewing. God, just the most, like, fumbled bag of, like, you could have had a cool, it's okay to be masculine and also l like things like sewing. And then you turn it into just this ridiculous... At least I'm not fucking gay. <laughs> yeah, no, that character's dungeon is literally a sauna because he's that afraid of being gay. Like he's afraid. Yeah, no, I've that <laughs> I've seen God. like his shat his shadow is like a flamboyant, like yep. sexual predator version of himself. No, no, I've seen 
I've seen right, all the and movies. then the trans character's shadow is uh, yeah. <laughs> them in a lab coat strapping themselves down to a surgical table with like a big saw. Mm. Yes. Yeah, Much fucking... to think about. <laughs> Thanks, Atlas. Um, fucking, and it's so weird. Like recently, a streamer uh posted about it. Penny Parker posted about Persona Four. And it's like, God, I'm going into this stuff for the first time, and it, the vibes are bad. And then everyone, and by everyone I mean just a collection of the dirt worst <laughs> freaks on the internet, got really upset about it. Oh. I hope Penny is doing well. Mm-hmm. I think I watched one of her videos for the first time the other day. Mm. don't remember what it was, but it was a pretty good mm. video. Maybe I'll The real-time fan dubs are fun. I agree. So, this is an interesting energy to enter a episode with. Wow, I said a episode, not even an episode. That should just go to show the uh, specific energy we're going in today. Um, so, first off, uh, the way I have handled things this week is different in the timing of it. Because I, I normally rec- I, I normally like watch my episodes the day before we record. And take my notes the day before we record. I was not feeling that yesterday, and we we were recording late today anyway. So I just said, fuck it. I'll just wake up at noon, and I'll take my notes then. Which, the notes on my episode, they're fine. I don't remember jack shit about Sam's episode, and I watched it <laughs> two hours ago. Well, you know, there's not an hour a ton ago. that happens. <laughs> I guess that's true. I watched true. both of my episodes at 1.5 speed. <laughs> God. Um, well, this is yeah, it'll wash out. overall... Go ahead. No, you do it. You go for it. Uh, there's a overall not a whole heck of a lot to cover this week, to be completely honest. Like, I think we have a good amount to talk about for the first episode, at least. Like... I, there, there's stuff that happens that we will get into, but first, this is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Kit. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I'm your co-host, Quinn. Damn. I'm gonna keep speaking with this inflection the whole time. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, so... I really fucked it up when I started trying to talk, so here I am. <laughs> This is your life now. This is your life. I'm so sorry that you've been cursed with this, but... Alas. (laughs) So, the first episode we're covering this week is episode 178. The Nightmare Which is Shown. Ichigo's Inside the Mirror. I like the way this title is written, because I don't know if it's just like... The actual translation, as in, like, the official translation of this episode title, or if this is just what the wiki says it is, because, like, Ichigo apostrophe S inside the mirror. It, it, <laughs> yeah. As in, as in, Ichigo is inside the mirror. He sure fucking is, dude. <laughs> like, you might even say he's through the looking glass. I'm leaving this call right now. So, as you will all remember, no doubt, last week Hanza flushed Ichigo, and now our boy is floating in a void of mirrors, 
that are showing him himself as a child. We get, like, a really weird, trippy sequence of the camera, like, zooming into Ichigo's eye, revealing child Ichigo within his eye, and then zooming into child Ichigo's eye to reveal present-day Ichigo, and then it just, like, repeats this pattern a few times. Um, very trippy. I liked this sequence specifically. I thought it was cool. I tried looking up if, like, fucking Kanaka was writing on this episode or something, because I was like, <laughs> this visual is so different from anything that has been in Bleach to date. Yeah, it is very unique, and I think that's one of the reasons it, like, stood out as cool to me. Yeah. My investigation was inconclusive. Ah, I see. Um... This happens multiple times before we see a young Ichigo with his mother, Misaki. We see a flashback to him crying in a martial arts class. You know, we've seen this flashback before, um, as his mother comforts him. And then we see her walking him along the river, asking what made him want to learn karate. I don't know the actual pronunciation of this, I'm realizing. So I'm just going to stick with that for right now. If I'm wrong, somebody correct me, please. Um but I assume that is the correct one, knowing what I know, admittedly, not that much of Japanese pronunciation. But um, she asks him what made him want to learn that all of a sudden. Um, he says it's a secret, and then Misaki's like, what, you don't want to even tell me? Uh, which our young Ichigo masterfully deflects by pointing out the pretty sunset reflecting across the river. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He sure does just, like, go, hey, what's that? <laughs> She's just like, oh, the, the sunset, I see. I mean, if I, if I was an adult talking to a kid, and I was like, you don't want to tell me? And they're like, let's talk about something else. Like, okay, you know what, fine. Like, I'm just... Only trouble and sadness go... Uh, sure. Await me if I continue this, uh, this line yeah. of questioning. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, she asks if Ichigo likes sunsets, and he says they are pretty, but he doesn't like them because they make him start to feel lonely. Um, Misaki's- oh, the English here was fucked. Oh? So, it's the performance, right? So, the, I think that the lines were, they're really pretty, but I don't. But Johnny Young Bosch is playing young Ichigo here, uh, and he delivers the line as though he's leading into a full sentence, mm. right? Yeah. Instead of, it's like, but I don't, period. <laughs> so he just sort of says, but I don't. And I'm like, huh. it was very jarring. Yeah, no, that sounds weird. I, hmm. Like, maybe his, like, like, just, like, looking at, like, the possibilities, maybe his intent was, like, originally to be, like, well, I know this line is actually supposed to come after, and I'm supposed to talk about how it makes me feel lonely, but maybe it's, like, hard for me to speak about that, so, like, maybe he's, he, maybe he's, like, attempting to do a trail-off and not right, really quite hitting it, but, like, yeah, it was I don't know. strange. It could have, it's, I'm not definitely... I'm certainly not, like, locating this solely at Johnny Young Bosch. For because sure. Because people are being directed. There's ways that you have to match mouth flaps. There's a bunch of different concerns uh, that are going to contribute to the performance that you get. And then you can do 
editing of stuff after the fact. True, yeah, true, it could true. be the real chaos option of he said the thing, they just cut it for length. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Who could say what happened there, truly? Lost a time. If I ever meet the man, I'll ask him about this episode. I'll just be like, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Young Bosch, um, that one episode of that filler arc where you were playing young Ichigo, uh, do you remember if you like cut this line off here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure he remembers. I, yeah, I'm, I'm certain he does. Um, Misaki says that the sunset shouldn't make Ichigo feel lonely with their beauty. Um, and then we flash forward to the fateful night after Grand Fisher had attacked and pull out the camera from one of the mirrors to see a clearly emotionally exhausted Ichigo. Um, of course, this is all the world within Hanza's Bakoto Saiga, as we cut to the outside of the mirror orb to see Hanza gloating. Um, I, I don't mind the stuff with Hanza being on the outside like, haha, you, you are so traumatized, here's your trauma. But also, sure. it is kind of... It is also just kind of like, well, he sure is just kind of here, huh? I love it's that really Saiga's funny. like, I love that Saiga's like, just standing outside this giant, powerfully glowing ball, and like, you would think that if it's glowing this brightly, like, someone would see it, like, one of Ichigo's allies would like, look up at the sky and be like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> well, it's casting dark light, so who could say? My favorite part is when it's just like, ha ha ha. Now it's just a matter of time before you go Joker mode. God, <laughs> he does say that. Is, is that is that dub exclusive too? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he says. God, you're just gonna be like Todd Howard's or Todd Phillips. You're gonna be just like Todd Phillips' 2019 film, The Joker. Once I'm done with you, <laughs> word for word. I thought you were trying to go with, with Jason Todd and got it mixed up with Todd Howard. So I was doubly confused. But okay. Yeah, Jason no. Todd Howard's made some real <laughs> fucked up video games. I can't go down this road with you. God. You remember that one time where Skyrim, but you keep getting murdered by the Joker. <laughs> I, I I remember now that the the, the, uh, the Matrix is fading. I'm I'm remembering the truth of our reality, which is that Batman left Jason Todd Howard behind, and he went and made Skyrim twenty thousand times as a punishment for the rest of the world. Yeah, right. That's actually what the fans voted for in the comics at the time. <laughs> yeah, it cost a whole dollar to like call the helpline. Holy shit. Okay, the Matrix has come back online. I, I no longer remember the details of our reality. But what I can tell you um, is that back inside the mirror orb, uh, a young Ichigo wishes for his mom to come back while saying this is why he doesn't like sunsets. Uh, we hear a voice say, I'm sorry, Ichigo, as the child wonders where she went. Uh, and then the voice says, I'm late. As the camera pans to reveal a Masaki lacking facial detail, uh, standing on the stairs behind Ichigo. Um, I do credit where credit's due. I do like the vibes here because even though like 
obvious. It, it, it's very, very obvious something is wrong, like, considering the, mm-hmm. the context of the situation. But I like the vibes of her appearing, and most of her facial detail is there, but the expression is blank, and she doesn't have yeah. her eyes drawn when she first it's appears. So, it's so fucking funny, because at first I was like, oh... That like she just doesn't have eyes. This is like a horror movie thing, and then after a while, it it I realized that what they were actually doing is they're hiding her eyes with her hair. But because Bleach characters have such large eyes, <laughs> like the way that her her hair is falling down over her face wouldn't in any way, shape, or form hide her eyes if she were drawn <laughs> usually. So they just don't draw them, and they're like, okay, well her hair is over her eyes, you know, deal with it. But it gives her the look as if she's like this eyeless monstrosity. They're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, happening? no. Like er- earlier today in in the Discord here, uh, where we like hold our fucking calls, like in our Bleach episodes chat, where we like we don't usually talk like major spoilers before going into the episodes, just because we like to keep the discussion flow like pretty natural. But, um. Quinn at 8.44 in the morning uh, said there might actually be some character stuff to dig into in this first episode. And then I woke up uh, at, like, noon, and I started watching it, like, probably, like, 12.20, 12.30. And I said, yeah, no, I'm really vibing with it so far. That's because I got to this part where, like, she showed up without eyes. And I was like, oh, we're just doing, like, a horror movie? Okay, I'm down with that. Um, And then Quinn said I actually really didn't vibe with it. And by this point... I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can kind of see why. <laughs> like, it's, there's a lot of stuff that's not ideal, but, like, I really wish this had gone the horror movie direction. Like, I, I was into yeah. I was into that. And I still probably would have had objections based on the premise, but there's oh, a couple same. things that it does here that I do like. There's some of this stuff, there's a moment where Ichigo gets sort of tackled down and transitions from being a child to being you know, a teenager again. And -hmm. I think, like, that works really well to convey this sort of horrific dreamlike quality. There's a couple of directorial choices and shot choices and animation choices that I think really work. Yeah. But the sort of core conceit ultimately leaves me very frustrated, and I'm sure that we'll talk about that before too long. Yeah, 100%. Like, there there is... There's stuff to talk about this episode, which is exciting in its own regard, honestly. Um, so, so I Eyeless Misaki appears, um, and Child Ichigo gladly runs for her and like embraces her as she asks him what's wrong, uh, claiming that she was just a little late. Uh, but then she asks if he's crying, uh, telling him he promised her he wouldn't, which. To me, it does not, like, I don't remember if that's a thing that actually ever happened, but alas. Um, he claims it's because of what happened, quote, then, but Misaki pushes him not to worry about that night because it doesn't matter anymore. She tells him that they should head home because everyone is worried. She grabs him by the hand and starts walking up the stairs uh, as Ichigo claims she's holding his hand too tight and that it hurts. Uh, he pulls away and then falls down the stairs onto the grass, but basically the Ichigo we get when he actually hits the ground, like, of the grass, is the current day teenage Ichigo, not the child. Uh, so, 
I like the transition of him falling down the stairs, too. I think that works really well. We see... We finally see Misaki's eyes, which they just flash, like, briefly, and they're very cold. Um, And she starts to approach him as Ichigo remembers, like, exactly what's going on um, and knows that this is not right. It's like a dream. Um, And he starts to work to convince himself that it's not real, but he's, like, torn because, like, obviously, like, this is his mother. Um, I, 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 is there stuff to talk about at this point yet? Because, like, I feel like... Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know if it was conveyed in Japanese, but English definitely says that they trap you inside of your worst fear. Yeah. Yes. Which is where I start to take a lot of contention with what is portrayed here. Because... This is something that would happen to Ichigo five episodes into Bleach, right? Yes. This is sort of his core trauma at the start of the series that he is progressively working toward figuring out. And sort of by the time he runs off to Soul Society, he's largely reconciled this because that's what the start of Bleach is about is processing grief. And, you know, his inaction and guilt over being, like, eight years old when his mom dies. Mm. Um, so he's really sort of dealt, at least my read, I don't know if either of you disagree, but my read is basically that he's largely reconciled that trauma, and it obviously still informs the way that he operates. It's sort of the basis of his entire hugely self-sacrificial hero complex. But these, like, specific sort of granular details about the concern and fixation with Masaki specifically have sort of faded into the background, especially as he's now had two of his close friends kidnapped by some of the most monstrously powerful people in the entire universe. Yeah, he's also had of he's he's had an encounter where he literally is confronted with a copy of his mother and he stabs through her in order to like complete this encounter. Right. And that is him metaphorically and literally yeah. sort of dealing with that. That is him cutting through his grief. Yeah. Uh so I I read the episode a little different a little bit differently, but I think my read on this episode is basically that Hans is full of shit and has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Um, That's also <laughs> potentially true, right? Because the way this resolves also hinges on Ichigo basically having completely resolved all of this. Because what he does is... <laughs> spoilers for what you're going to find out in about ten minutes. Is he just goes, never mind. And then he turns his powers on. Yeah, like um, my... My re- my read from this situation is that basically Hansa, we we might get a moment in the future that like has someone else go going into like a more in depth explanation of what the sword does or how it works, right? Um, but my under my my assumption at this point, based on how what 
what's happened so far and what happens further into the episode is that the sword might detect like big points of trauma basically and then it's up to the user to craft the action to like take that info and then craft the actual thing and then ichigo goes i've i'm, I'm actually i'm done with this i'm done with this i've done this it, it's not working and then hanzo's just like why the fuck is this why does nothing i do work against this man <laughs> this is like the third time he just no sells my shit right so there's also like a material angle that i want to take on this mm-hmm. which is this is anime being produced as filler content for a long-running shonen show that is being aired on a weekly basis so this is like a really difficult production cycle for a lot of animators, as I understand it, for the entire anime production staff, not just the people animating it, the writers and, and whatnot. And, you know, your directors, producers, literally the entire fucking staff, everyone at Studio Piero, I'm assuming, is kind of having a rough time, uh, especially doing long-term sort of planning that isn't relying on uh, tight Kubo's, you know, manuscripts for the manga. Mm-hmm. So what you have here is a situation where, okay, this is an interesting encounter that we can do, right? This is kind of a cool power for uh, a Zanpakuto. I don't care if it's a fucking Bakoto, it's a Zanpakuto's power. Um, but you are in this material circumstance where you can't have Ichigo necessarily encounter confront and reconcile anything in a significant emotional way that might have any impact on the way that he is moving forward through his life once you start reconnecting to the canon apparatus uh of of bleach right once we finish this and we go on to the ulcura fight mm-hmm. and especially because of the dubious canonicity I mean, it's not dubiously canon. It's not, quote-unquote, not canon. Canon's not important. What I meant is the timeline concerns, right? Where where this takes place in the flow of time is incredibly vague because Orihime is here. So it's, it's a bit strange, right? Like, so ostensibly this is taking place after the Soul Society arc. So Ichigo has a lot of stuff that has come up since... Dealing with his mom grief and whatever. But it's not a time where Ichigo can really, like, sit down and face and reconcile his immense fear of his hollow form. Or um, the fear of losing uh, Rukia or Orihime or any of his friends. So what they have to do is they sort of have to retread this thing, which is pretty well established and handled in the stuff that came before in the early, you know, act of the show, because you're constrained so much by the material that you have, or the material, frankly, that you don't have, and how quickly you need to produce this thing, as well as the fact that nothing can resolve in such a way that can fundamentally or significantly alter Ichigo's character or perspective. Yeah, this is a this is just like the curse of this 
long-running adaptation, which, as far as I know, the only anime that I can think of that has handled this better, or that has handled this particular problem really well, is Reborn. Oddly enough. Hmm. Uh, Because Reborn's filler arcs tended to have uh, direct buy-in from the author and was pulling in information and backstories and character, like, growth moments that were from the last arc of the manga that was never going to get an adaptation. Oh, interesting. So there's, like, two arcs were two or three arcs worth of, of, like, character reveals and backstories and stuff. Most... Some of them involving the... Uh, where most of them involving Reborn and the other, like... Babies of the Rainbow, uh, or whatever the the English term end, ended up being, I forget, and and their connections to like each of the various like people who are holding up their mantles, or who are like upholding their mantles, or like going to train under them or whatever. But like most of that information gets brought backwards into the filler arcs that they use in between certain like major arcs, because the way they did the they did the reborn anime is step one take all of the, like, interminable gag episodes and then cut cut out half of them <laughs> and then sprinkle them in in between arcs as, like, okay, we did a big heavy arc, here's two or three gag episodes. Okay, we did a, sure. <laughs> we did a big arc, here's two or three episodes. And then they also added filler arcs that was, like, here's a bunch of character development stuff that is never going to a- get animated. We're never going past arc X. <laughs> and then, so they, like, mm-hmm. sprinkle them in in these little filler arcs up to Arc X, and then once Arc X happens, it'll be finished. Uh-oh. You know, you haven't been working for, like, you haven't been talking for, like, five minutes, and I was just like, well, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna keep going, I guess. <laughs> we're like, at which point do we go back to the summary? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Man, <laughs> I cannot believe, I'm, I'm gonna, like, put, like, a fade out or something there. Just so I could be like, hey, we fucking had some weird-ass technical difficulties where two of us had our fucking, like, recording okay, software just, like, stop at the same- not at the same time, but stop at different times. But also, my recording was going the whole way, so you could just have my- like, you ju- could just keep my track going, put the other tracks in, and then put the, like, restarted tracks in and then just have a moment where I'm just talking to no one and I sound like an idiot. I mean, I could. Is, is this Again, I really think that the amount of time where you're talking to no one is negligible. I really caught it almost immediately. Fair. But yeah, no, uh, on, on the reborn topic, um, specifically, well, I didn't know that specifically about the filler. Um, I do remember that the first, like, 30 or so episodes of that show are, like, lighthearted fun and like very filler e um but i remember that really working for that show specifically just because it it gave a lot of time for you to like get to know the characters that you're going to be spending like the more serious t- moments with um it, and even if it was like within like gag constraints it was like it's still fun because it still felt like you were learning about the characters um you know like where I'm kind of landing with this stuff, like, in the episode we're currently talking about, of Bleach, not Overborn, um, is that 
after hearing Sam's thought that Hansa just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, I actually don't mind that read that much, because what we have been shown throughout this filler arc is that Hansa is very determined to do one thing, and that's fucking kill Ichigo. Um, and do it badly. And, and do it badly. Um, and each time he's failed, but he's like, oh, well, I, I'm going to give this sword more power. So I, I think it's not too out of sure. left field to like, it's not too far a reach to consider, you know, maybe he's just not as smart with like psychological attacks because like it seems like a lot of his history is more in you know assassination and you know actual fighting rather than i'm gonna psychologically attack your trauma or whatever but but my other this is a generous like read from me like this is generous because like i i absolutely agree with quinn and that i think it is kind of it feels weird to retread the same territory because like, you know, we've, we've already seen Ichigo deal with this and it hasn't really significantly come up since Grand Fisher, um, at least to my memory, which admittedly is pretty poor, but, um, my, my thought is it hasn't been all that long in, in canon since Grand Fisher. Like, it's probably been, like, a few months, sure. But, like, also, trauma isn't a one-and-done situation where you you make a significant stride, and then, you know, you're just done with it. You're just Gucci with the trauma. You don't need to worry about it anymore. So, it's, it's more of, like, you make significant strides, yeah, and in the process of healing from that trauma, you, you're going to have like times where it suddenly comes back and you, you freeze and it's scary and things are hard again, but then you move past those too. Yes. But I don't know that this episode does that very effectively is the thing. I would argue that it doesn't do it at all. I, I talked to Mm. my wife about this. After I watched the episode, I sort of talked it out, and that sort of line came up for me. I sort of offered it as a thing, right, where trauma's nonlinear. You're going to experience times where things come back. It might feel like you've had a big setback, even if you haven't, and new ways of interfacing with the experience of trauma and your relationship to it are going to sort of surface. They're going to become things that are happening in your life. Yeah. That's not what Bleach is about. That's not what Bleach is doing. Bleach is not a character study in that sense. Bleach is not a sort of, like, measured, conscientious exploration of character psychology or what it means to reckon with trauma or grief, especially after the first arc of the show. Um, And so that is a way that you can read this, but I'd argue that it is very loosely, if at all, supported by the text. Yeah. And I think that it's 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 just, it's muddy, right? Yeah. There's a lot of ways that we can try to justify or explain what's happening here, and a lot of that is happening you know, through us interacting with the object, 
which I think is a fine way to make art and to analyze art. I think sometimes art should be more confident in doing that. But ultimately, this is happening because it's not giving us much, and we have to sort of um, place it within a framework to let it make sense. Yeah. Or at least we are compelled to do so, especially when you're doing something that's like long-form uh, media commentary and analysis. Yeah, like my like my read on this as far as the the impact on Ichigo as a character or like as a an actor going through this uh these events it's basically just he's put under the 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 special power of the sword whether Hanza is correct or not that this is actually something that he thinks about or is worried about or is like at, at a recurring nightmare or whatever he goes it it is like thrust upon him and he just deals with it. Like, he doesn't care. It's not a pro- it's not really a problem for him. Ichigo defeats this uh, nightmare maybe more easily than he has any other enemy in this, uh, in this uh, season. And it hasn't been shown to be, like... It's not a stumbling block. He doesn't really hesitate in any way, shape, or form. It's just... Like, he just right. p- goes through it and it's fine. He just goes to Han- he just looks at Hanza and says, "Dude, is this all you have? Like, this ain't it." Right, which is actually why I think that your read Sam is arguably the best. I agree. And to frame it a little bit differently, which is to say the almost the path of least resistance uh at least for me in making this read is perhaps that this is not as much about Ichigo as much as it is about setting up another opportunity for Hanza to be just completely clowned on for like the third time. Cause he's, he keeps trying to take on Ichigo and Ichigo keeps completely just like trivially knocking him over. And so this works essentially as the rule of threes in comedy. <laughs> this is just an elaborate setup to a punchline. Yeah. It's just extremely funny to me. <laughs> like, extremely I, funny that Hanza keeps going, how the fuck are you this strong? And, like, I get it. when you th- If you think about Ichigo's relative power level as far as, like, the series is concerned, or, like, his, like, level of strength in general, it's like, okay, yeah, he is as strong... Before he puts on... Before even he gets to Bankai, before he puts on his mask, he is able to stand toe-to-toe with captains. Like... <laughs> So someone who lives in Soul Society, even if he's, like, a secret ninja prodigy or whatever, is going to look at him and be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> How strong are <God>. you? <laughs> See, like, I I think where, like, this read would work for me better, and, like, to be clear, I think this is the best read of this episode, is that, like, yeah, no, it's just, like, an elaborate setup to be like, ah, yes, Hanza is going to get fucking clowned on again. I think what frustrates me is that I think this whole sequence has potential to be really fucking good if Hanza were a little bit cooler. And what I mean by that is... I think there is a version of this episode going down where the reason Hanza tries to go this route specifically is actually because he's afraid of Ichigo. And I think that could be interesting. I I don't think that's at all what the show does or like 
tries to get across because like I I, yeah. I just don't think that is the case. Like I don't think he's afraid of Ichigo. I think he thinks Ichigo's a fucking freak with a massive power level and he wants to take him down because it's a challenge and also he's like dedicated to the Kasumi Oji clan or whatever. But like I I think there is a version of this episode that could have been incredible um if handled well. It's just they don't know what they want from it 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 doesn't it it is the filler problem of not being able to have significant change to the main character it is absolutely just they don't have the specific direction with the episode that they could have that could make it really stand out Uh, absolutely especially because yeah the fundamentally right now the entire freak squad really believe in the power of their uh, Bakuto. Yeah. So, if you're able to texture that a little bit, play with Hanza as a character, instead of him just being like, I have a perfect sword, and I have unlimited energy. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha! Yeah, like, this episode, like, honestly, if this episode didn't have any context, if it was just a... We just had the, like, dreamscape section with nothing else, no context around it, and it was just released as a Bleach special. I think, like, it works. Like, it's just, okay, yeah, sure. But within the context of, like, an actual filler arc and season, it's it just, it falls a bit flat. Um, yeah. I think I have one last thought on this, and then we should probably move on, because we have been... I, I, I think the discussion here has been great, but I, I think we should probably keep moving... Uh, just so we're not stuck here for a million years, because I heard Sam Cranklin something, and I I, I know you're, you're hungry, my man. I, I know. I may have just sucked out the salsa from a McDonald's, like, little salsa packet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's uh, let's get through this. I don't think that there's all that much to get into in the, the back ends of this stuff anyway. God, I, I... So what was your last thought, Kit? My last thought is, and this is not for me to be like, hey, I'm gonna rewrite Bleach, but better. I think what would have made this potentially a better episode is cut out the Freak Squad. Like, genuinely, cut the entire Freak Squad from the season. Focus those episodes on Hansa. If you make Hansa a stronger villain, like a, a, a more compelling character, this episode would have worked a lot better. That's my only thought. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, um, although... Actually, you know what? No, I'll put a pin in this, because I, th- th- I have a thought that is... <laughs> more of a prediction and it's coming in during my episode so i'll i'll come back to this afterwards all right i i, I want to set up a precedent of us both saying let's put a pin in that and let's come back to this later and then never fucking talking about it in the episode because i feel like we've done that multiple times and i i don't know if that's actually a thing we do or if i am just bad at like retaining when i when we say let's put a pin in that and then actually following through Anyway, it's, uh, it's an Easter egg, uh, you know. <laughs> Real fans write in and tell us all about it. Um, so basically, after he falls down and becomes teenagerified, um, which I I just coined that word myself. It's brilliant. I know. Um, basically, uh, ba ba She confronts him. He convinces himself it isn't real, but he's torn because trauma. Um, 
And on the outside, Hans is out there just being like, the nightmare is just beginning, Ichigo. Don't um, forget also him, like, just with the huge flop sweat, just being like, oh god, this is hard. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, Masaki grabs Ichigo by the collar and stares darkly at him as he asks her to stop. Uh, at this point, I was very confused because it reads as if she's supposed to be choking him, but she's just kind of grabbing him by the collar and keeping him pinned to the ground? No, she's doing a... It's a chokehold in judo. Oh, okay. I Yeah, she crosses the collar and then presses in. Gotcha. See, I'm not familiar with that. So that makes sense. I was not sure. Um, yeah, no, I wanted to bring it up because I was like, is there... Are there similar cross holds in karate? Like, is that part... Of what she was doing, like, but it's like no, it's like she's just doing. It's it is really weird that they they are doing a very, you know, it it's a very well worn uh tr- uh like character moment of having this like specter from your past or lo- a loved one, a fake a fake or real loved one, uh being on the character and like uh, strangling them, but using the like the clothes to do like more of a martial arts choke i think it's the first time that i've ever seen this happen uh in an anime <laughs> or at least in this like specific context and i was like that's an interesting choice like <laughs> yeah, it is just, it's just I, like a I, really fun choice <laughs> i i have sent something in in the discord related to this because it is major spoilers and i can't talk about it yet thanks i hate it <laughs> God. Um buh, buh, buh. Yeah, no, it is interesting that that is judo though. Like I did not know at all. I'm not at all familiar with it. I think I learned like I I think I was in a taekwondo class for like a week. <laughs> but then they asked me to do 30 sit-ups every day and I was like, "No, thank you." And I stopped. <laughs> but um Basically, uh, he once again reminds himself this is an illusion, resolving that this isn't enough to keep him down. Uh, Hansa, at this point, appears within the dream mirror, being like, what the fuck is taking so long? (laughs) And he tells... uh, He basically tells Ichigo that if this is nothing to him, then to strike her down. Um, He uh, tells him to kill her uh, as Masaki keeps him pinned. Uh, before holding him up by the collar at Hans's request. He, like, snaps, and she, like, picks him up by the collar. Um, at this point, happy memories of his childhood flood Ichigo's mind as he manages to reach a hand to her wrist, and suddenly his powers turn on, everything's chill, Misaki takes a step back, he embraces her, um, and I do, like, that he, like, straight up tells her everyone is fine, it, that, like, Yuru, wow, Yuzu, Karin, and Nishin are all doing well, and he's doing fine, too. Like, I think that moment is sweet. Um, I think it would be way more impactful if the episode were better, but it is still a good, solid, sweet moment. Yeah, like, this is the part that really uh, colors my read towards the, like, Hansa doesn't know what the fuck he's doing side of things, because he's, like... Well, she's going to kill you and you can't stop her because you, you love her and you're not, she's just going to kill you and you can't hurt her to stop her because you're weak. You're not like me 
who's bloodthirsty and would do anything for the mission. <laughs> and then Ichigo just like <laughs> stands up, unleashes his power level to that like it it just straight up forces her to like stop and while also starting to crack the world around him and Hans is like, what the fuck is going on? And then in <laughs> like just to add like insult to injury, Ichigo then like uses this moment to be like, well, instead of going out and punching that guy's lights out, I'm just gonna take this time to tell this representation of my mom whether or not she's real she's probably not doesn't matter it's it's a way to like get some stuff off my chest listen everything's fine i'm doing good they're doing good if you're looking down on us from uh from the other side like uh don't worry about it and then he hugs her and it's just like ichigo has z- like zero problems here he's he's just like oh wait no, no. i'm not just going to let her kill me dude God, I'm I'm imagining now, um, in my cursed brain mind palace, um, the 2008 like Tumblr meme that would come out for this episode, but it's like a an Avengers edit, uh, where it's like we have a Bakoto, we have an Ichigo, <laughs> just it's terrible. I hate it. Ugh. I I wish it weren't in my my brain, but. It, it was there for me, so you're all cursed with it, too. Congrats. I, w- uh, I was starting to generate, like, what would be an even worse MCU meme, and then I was like, hey, you know what? I don't have to... I don't have to do that to myself. You don't? <laughs> you're not... You're not cursed with this the way I am. Congratulations. Um, He does apologize for not being able to protect her back then, but thanks her for her protection of him. Uh, and she looks up to him with a smile as they forgot to pay the voice actor for more lines. Uh, probably, I, they didn't do that, I'm sure. Like, I, I know it's bad out there for voice actors, but I, I, I'm sure it is not that situation why she doesn't say anything. She just looks up to him with a smile, and then, like, his shadow energy flies up the pillar of, like, light energy or whatever that is supposed to be his powers, and... Basically, he just appears in the real world. <laughs> and Hans is like, well, fuck. Um, he tells Hansa, you have no right to- I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Ichigo tells him he has no right to step all over someone else's memories, which infuriates Hansa. The two begin to fight proper, but midway through, Hansa's armor like splits from the seams and is pushed off of him as Saiga begins to consume him. Um, his entire upper body, save for his head, is now all muscly Saiga, baby. There are some gnarly, He's... like, tentacle horror here. Boku no Hero stole this. I, for, for reference of what I am referencing, there is a character, and I don't really follow Boku no Hero anymore, but there is a character not super duper early on. But, like, a villain character whose, like, power is that his muscles are basically on the outside of his body, and he can grow them infinitely. And that is what this makes me think of. So, therefore, Boku no Hero stole this. I can see. It, it is drawn in a very similar sense. But, Absolutely. You know, mu- characters whose muscles are on the outside of their body have been an occasional staple of, sh- of the genre since, like, the 90s. I'm sure, I'm sure, I just don't know of it. Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, Hans- come on. <laughs> I've never watched Yu Yu Hakusho. 
I've never watched it. Oh, you should. Why are we watching Bleach? God. (laughs) I mean, there are many things we could do after this, Sam. Uh, Hansa reminds Ichigo that the more spiritual power you pour into into a Bakoto, the more powerful it becomes, claiming this to be nothing as Ichigo tells him to stop. Hansa refuses to take orders from him, but Ichigo asks why he needs to fight so hard. And Hansa tells him it's for the sake of the Kasumiyoji clan, and for his own sake. Uh, We flash back and get some lore. Uh, Apparently, since ancient times, the clan has been a distinguished distinguished clan, proudly providing swords to the royal family, with people like Hansa always existing alongside them in the shadows. In the flashback, we see a hollow attacking in what appears to be Soul Society, as like a bunch of Kasumiyoji assassins arrive to take down the hollow with ease, immediately following that up by killing the two Soul Reapers that the hollow was spotted by. <laughs> um, he explains that at times, they would deceive the Gote 13 themselves to keep the ancient sword-making techniques of the Bakoto safe. Uh, even if it were forbidden, it was on the name of protecting the Kasumiyoji clan, and that was the whole purpose. Uh, he's been with the clan for a long time and has fought many battles only to keep surviving, but finally he has the power only a chosen few are granted. I hate this, actually. Like, when I initially watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, like, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's fine. And then I'm reading this aloud, and I'm like, I don't like this at all, actually. Like, I, I think it's incredibly boring and bland. I think, before we talk about this bit, I think it, it would... We should just keep going till the end of the episode, honestly. Um, we can't talk about this bit without talking about the rest of it. No, I'm I'm down to I'm down to wait. Our boy asks why go after Ruichio if his loyalty is to the clan, and Hansa says it's because the weak have no right to carry on the Kasumiyoji legacy. Uh, Ichigo, of course, is furious at this reasoning, telling him Ruichio is frightened, shaking. Even when she smiles, there is fear. He tells her that she just wants to be free. Uh, no, he tells Hansa that uh, Rodichio just wants to be free. And when Hansa says the pre- princess has no freedom, Ichigo tells him that's not for him to decide. This pisses Hansa off as the two clash, and Ichigo slams into him, allowing his Ahalo to come out. Uh, Hansa gains newfound interest in Ichigo's power as he finally gains some clarity on what he's dealing with. And for the most part, this fight's actually pretty good. Like, I, I think the animation here is pretty solid. It's nothing special, but it, it is a pretty good fight. Yeah, there's nothing really, like, to sit, to talk about it much, but it looks cool. Yeah. No, like, I, I had very few issues with this fight. Um, after one of the clashes, though, Hansa's eyes glow a solid orange, and it looks really bad, uh, as Saiga grows and overtakes him. Um, Ichigo tells him he's not the chosen one, he's just consumed by the sword. Uh, Hansa's like, that's fucking ridiculous, as Saiga continues to eat at him. Uh, Ichigo tells him that by using that thing, he's just shortening his life. Uh, and Hansa's like, shut up, that isn't the extent of my power. A Bakoto could never consume me. And, uh, he starts, like, gaining more power, because, like, it's bleach, that's what happens. Um, Ichigo calls out for him to stop. And then Hansa raises his blade, 
the muscly fibers of Saiga bloat and contort around him before Hansa just, like, regular ass explodes. <laughs> like, he just straight up, like, it, it is like a regular ass flame explosion. <laughs> and yeah, the like, mask comes off as Ichigo wonders what these people even are. <laughs> yeah, like, Hansa's whole deal here is that he thinks he's the main character of a story, and then Ichigo has the gall to show up and tell him, Man, you aren't a main character, you're just on drugs. And if you keep doing those drugs, they're gonna kill him. And his response is to snort an entire line of cocaine. I hate that you're... I hate that this analogy works. Like, mm, it's not good. I, I think it really sucks that every single one of the characters that has, like, shown up in this side of the, like, new Captain Amagai arc... Every single one of the villain characters has been a complete pushover, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's been no real threats so far. I think but I, have a a lot of the I do have a theory about that for my episode. Okay. I, I think my, my problem comes down to, like, 80% of the fights we have seen so far in this arc that have been on this side have ended with either the villain uh, killing themselves or their sword killing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so they're, get- they're establishing the whole, like, you can give you can give your life force to the sword and it'll keep getting stronger. The sword itself doesn't have an upper limit. However, you as a person have a limit where if you give too much to the sword, you won't be able to control it and it'll just explode you. Yeah, yep. like, I, and I like that the concept. I, I it's just that like it makes for really unsatisfying um, shonen when the main characters don't get to actually have a success, and instead it's just they do the fight, and it, it's like it's like the Bountark situation where we don't really get to see Ichigo have a success against Karia because Karia just kind of like fucks himself over. Like, the two... Ichigo does win that fight, yes, but then, like, Karya just kind of, like, bye-byes, you know, at the end of that, and even though there are, like, a couple moments in there that make that a bit better than this, it's it's still, like, come on! Like, I just want to see... I want to see my guy do the cool thing and win the fight. Like, that's what I want to see. Yeah, like, Hansa's the only time where I think it works better... Uh, like, I don't mind this with Hanza, because the only character Fair. that we've gotten so far from him has been Loyal Ninja, and also his belief that he can overpower anyone with this sword. Um, so and in like, this episode, he gets Jokerified. Yeah, and then in this episode, he's like, wait, what the fuck? What do you mean I can't beat you even though I'm giving so much? Fine, I'll just give it more and more and more, and eventually I'll be able to beat you, because no way you're so strong that I'll hit my limit first, right? Like, that's clearly Hanza's, like downfalling this entire time is just he has no idea how strong Ichigo is. Uh, sort of like yeah. I find there. I do agree it fucking sucks that Rukia gets this really amazing fight and at the very, very end uh, despite us saying at the time, man, it's so cool to have a fight where Rukia wins and there isn't like a big caveat at it. Well, I'm introducing a new caveat, which is it would have been cooler if she just fucking killed the guy or encased him in ice instead of him breaking out, powering up, and then dying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's bleach baby. Um 
Back in Soul Society, we see a couple Soul Reapers greet Kibune as Izuru Kira watches him, wondering where he's headed. Kibune arrives to a guarded building, being allowed in, as Kira notes this is the location of the Kasumi-Ochi clan's territory. And finally, the two have crossed paths! It is... It's all coming round, baby. We, we made it. Uh, inside, the newly appointed head of the clan, Shu Kanogi, wanders and wonders aloud where the bathroom is. Kamoi approaches him, asking him what he's doing, before asking two cards who rush to their side why Kanogi isn't currently being guarded as the lord of this house. The two guards grab Kanogi and apologize as Kamoi tells them to escort him. Uh, and then we go to Kamoi's darkened evil room, um, as a hurt Kuzuryu, the, like, Phoenix Wright of the Freak Squad, uh, confirms the loss of several of their assassins, including Hanza. Kamoi calls Hanza a fool, and then Kuzuryu reflects on the sharpness of his own sword while lamenting the loss of his comrades. He says next time he's likely to take Nukui's place. Um... Kimoi tells him to sit down, as he'll have nothing to do with small fry like this freak. Uh, Kuzuri is angered and tries to attack, but is cut down swiftly by none other than Kibune, who has just arrived on the scene, ending the episode. My favorite part of this entire, like, double scene exchange is we get Kumoi like, in his kindly old man evil vizier outfit, and then he just yeah. kind of, like, walks off the screen, and then immediately scene change, and the the wall opens up, and he's stepping into as his, like, evil ninja lord, uh, with, like, pony- top-knot ponytail thing, uh, outfit. Where it's like, it is jar- God. His out- he looks so different, and I'm like, he looks so, like, what is this Ninja Scrolls character doing here? That each time I'm like, is this the same character? Yes, it is the same guy. <laughs> The scene change was so jarring for me that I had to go back and watch it, like, twice to realize, no, that's still Kamoi. We're just in his dark evil room now. <laughs> Join me in the dark a... evil parlor. I have to I have to go put on my face. I want to imagine it's, like, a Palpatine situation where he just, like, has to go into his office and that's when he puts the, like, hood up or whatever so he everybody knows he's in evil mode. Yes. <laughs> like, I really- I want the version of this where Kamoi is, like, sending hologram phone calls to people, but wearing, like, a hood, so you can tell it's Kamoi, but just enough. <laughs> <laughs> Plausible deniability. God. Kamoi-ability. What was the post-credits bit this time? Because, Jesus Christ, we are- we are at 3.45pm. So, in the post-credits bit this time- we return to the Men's Shinigami Association, or the Shinigami Men's Association, from their meeting room in the men's bathroom. Uh, they received an official request from Nanao to, jo- to do like a joint exercise between them and the Shinigami Women's Association. And Iba's like, oh my god, they're finally acknowledging us as fucking legitimate? Perfect. Fucking excellent. Yes, absolutely, we're gonna do it. Cut to him getting smacked around with a paper fan in front of a crowd as Nanao gives her how to react to a hard sell seminar, saying, God. when reacting to verbal threats like this, it is imperative to, re- to react with a firm disposition and smacks him again. God. It's He's good. Gonna get it's good. 
Ah, oh, I love these. I think we should cut to break just because of how long we've been here. Let's cut to break. Let's get right back into it with episode 179. Confrontation? Amagai versus Gote 13. Spoiler warning. Lies. <laughs> or at least... No, yeah. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I like loosely was able to pay attention to this episode, but this one was not grabbing me. The first chunk of the episode is just like... Hey, remember this? Remember the whole like Amagai business, which was like six episodes ago or something by now. Uh, anyways, here it is, and they just like dump it. But there's like this really nice, like little funky soundtrack that they use. <laughs> just like <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I'm just like kids show hero is arriving to town. Like the sheriff is here or whatever. <laughs> like it's just, God. There's this vibe to it, which which was really fun. It's just like I think this is the first time I've heard this song in Bleach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the episode begins proper with Squad 3 at an abandoned fighting arena <laughs> which Kibune picked out for them to do training drills at and him and Kira show up late because uh, the captain is like having a moment at a captain's meeting but what's incredible is that they s you get this this scene you get this setup where they're like oh yeah Kibune like found this place we're gonna use it to do our training drills and yada 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 and then this arena no longer exists for the rest of the episode. God. And I don't know I... if it's because they the thing that Amagai wants to do is going to be held here. Like, if that's the idea. Or if they just are saying, listen, Squad 3 is doing, keeps doing stuff. <laughs> I wish that we lived in the world where this was the episode that confirmed Soul Society also had an abandoned factory district. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that would have been great. That's all I have to say. Just a reflection of the real world. Oh yeah, that's Rukon factory guy. <laughs> uh, but at the captain's meeting... Uh, Almagai just shows up and he's like, I may just be an unassuming new guy, and this is perhaps presumptuous as me, but something fucked up the other day, and, and Mayuri immediately is like, shut the fuck up, if you want to file a complaint, we have paperwork for that. <laughs> <laughs> and Almagai's like, no, no, that's what I want to talk about, like... All of us are so, like, split off and separate. There's just, there's no team spirit. We should at least do joint training exercises. And I want to take this moment to remind us all that while the court guards are functionally part of the same organization, it is effectively the army, the medics, and the, um, it's like the army, the medics, the spies, and the uh, marketing team. Like, that's... Each of these teams are in charge of a thing like this. So it entirely makes sense that most... For the most part, most of them don't work together. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm a guy's like, hey, we should do training exercise together. We should, you know, do some team building, which... Sure. Uh, Zoraki's against it. Ukitake's like, well, you know, 
The traitors, all three captains that left us, they probably used these lacks of understanding between the squads against us, and I don't want to say that he's wrong necessarily, but I think they kind of used the fact that they were able to murder the Senate using a heretofore unknown technique, and then impersonate them, and use the fact that the cops would just do whatever the Senate said without question. Like, I feel like, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. number one, and then this thing that Ukitake is saying is like, number two or three maybe <laughs> yeah like I, I i really do agree that i think uh Utake here is really forgetting about about the fact that uh eisen sword has mass hypnosis powers like basically yep. so yeah, perfect mass you know. hypnosis that never goes away like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh like gonna be real like not to be like hey here's this plot hole in bleach Gonna be real. Eisen could have done way worse to Soul Society here in these. Eisen literally could have done way worse. <laughs> like he could have literally taken over the entire fucking Gote Thirteen right, right fucking then and there. <laughs> but no, he's like, I, I want the Hogyoku. I want to be more powerful. <laughs> like, okay, bud. Yeah, like he's he's got his goals, he's got his plans, and it's like my understanding is basically like he. It was never about anything else. Like, the entire reason he joins is because of this in the first place or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, he's all, he's on a one-track map, but it's like, Ukitake, there are other problems than, like, the fact that Zaraki doesn't come to your barbecues. Like, <laughs> it's... Uh, God. But yeah, so that night at the bar, Shunsui and Ukitake are, like, consoling a guy who is, you know... Completely pissed drunk, crying, because he's so weak to alcohol. He's so weak to alcohol, y'all. He's already pissed drunk from smelling it. <laughs> I'm waiting for the scene at some point in this arc where he's like, I've been sober the whole time. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's, go- it's going to happen that he's like, alcohol literally doesn't affect me. <laughs> I kind of wish that it wasn't going to happen, but it's such an obvious setup. Like, this can't just be, like, sort of a weird character thing for him. It's going to turn into, I played you all in my hands, and now, like the putty you are, I'll destroy you, because I'm not fucked up. Yeah, like, it it feels like he's, you know, maybe Amagai's going to turn out to be a good guy. Maybe. But this feels so strongly of, like, he's setting up the alibi. He's just setting up the alibi. Yep. Absolutely. All I'm gonna say is... Uh, it would be funny if he was a good guy and he was just so incompetent that they had to shush him out of Squad 3 yeah. before <laughs> the canon anime resumes. I think I've yeah. expressed this before on the show how funny I think that would be. That would be so good. Okay, but what if... What if they keep him? What if he shows up in the next arc and then dies? Like in, in one oh my of God. in one of the big fights. <laughs> he just gets hit by a stray Sarah. Yeah. Like <laughs> what, what if the way that they like transition from one arc to the next is that they kill off Amagai? <laughs> After what? Okay, what What if Amagai is actually a pivotal character, but we've all just been like um We've been hit by those, like, Soul Reaper, like, memory wipe things. Like, that the Men in Black things. And we just... None of us remember Amagai. 
if they just put him in the show and then have him show up at like every time there's something major that happens and then it's just like most captains busy off screen whenever something pivotal would require his attention i think i would love that that would be so goddamn funny <laughs> ideal just every time there's a new squad of guys in- introduce an extra guy and have him go fight i'm a guy like that's what i want them to do for the rest of the show <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to take this moment to remind everyone that, like, there we are rapidly approaching the moment where I got tired of watching, like, a bajillion hours of Bleach and instead read a, baj- a bajillion chapters of Bleach. Um, so, like, we are rapidly approaching the point where I was no longer watching the anime at all. So, who could say? Maybe Amagai is important. <laughs> But yeah, so back to drunk Amagai. He's so out of it that he, like, glomps Ukitake. He takes a swig, and then he just fucking dies. Like, oh, there he goes. Uh, Shinsui and Ukitake, like, talk about his ideas. And then over at uh, the Ten Squad Barracks, we get Toshiro, who's... He's presenting the joint training idea to Renji. <laughs> Which, I get... It's interesting that Renji is here to, like, have tea with Rangiku. Or just to chat with Toshiro. Uh, actually, no, I guess it would make sense. They, you know, they had a chance to work a lot during, the, like, the Bount arc, you know, and during, like, the original Arankar invasion, so, you know, I don't know. It felt weird to see someone act... Much to Amagai's point, it felt incredibly weird to have someone just show up to chat at a different, like, squad's barracks, basically. Um, yeah... Uh, but yeah, Renji's like, I don't know, seems pretty useless to me. And Rangiku's like, oh, it's a mixer. We can just use it as a mixer and get everyone paired up. I'm just, yeah. damn it, Rangiku, like, sure. Wait, uh, I've, I've, I've solved what happens in Amagai. I figured it out. I know, I know what's gonna happen to him. Does Rangiku fucking kill him by going to drink with him? Yamamoto's gonna kill him for trying to start a union. Damn. You're right. <laughs> He's gonna try to start a police unit and Yamamoto's gonna kill him. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I hate how right you are. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. That's why all the guys know where to be found. He tries to start a union and Yamamoto kills him. That's what's gonna happen. Fire the keto <laughs> cannon. <laughs> It's gonna be like in it's gonna be like in Futurama, except like basically for trying to start a union, Amagai's gonna get fucking thrown out of the keto cannon into the sun. That's what's gonna happen. Damn. Sorry for spoiling the next like twenty episodes of Bleach, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, I figured it out. <laughs> God. Go on. But we get uh, Toshiro who's like gets up and he thinks there's like this really weird bit where I had he thinks to himself Shunsui and Ukitake are supporting him a lot. I hope it doesn't create a strain between him and those opposing him. Uh, in English, he just says like those opposing the plan or whatever. Like it's it it's more vague and in being more vague feels more correct. Uh, yeah. Unless, uh, Because it feels like what he was actually trying to say was, like, that... 
Unless the thing that he, they're trying to say is that receiving so much help from Shunsui and Ukitake would make, like, Mayuri and Zoraki hate him, but that would happen regardless, right? Like, he's a person who walks into the room with a smile on his face, and they both hate Joy. So. <laughs> they were going to hate him regardless of what happens or who helps him. 100%. That night, Kira tells his squad, like, hey, Detroit, uh... The joint training, like, was uh, refused. Like, we're not going to do it. And they complain about having to do chores and being unable to show off their new coordination tactics. And then they have the moment to be like, well, these were better in Squad 4. But no. One of them had to do Squad 4's laundry. How humiliating. God. Yeah, that was sure something. Oh my god, you all are the worst. Like, I hate yeah. every single one of you. <laughs> like... Uh, I, I think it's an interesting decision they made on the writing team to be like, we're going to follow this group of characters and then make them the most unlikable bitches ever. Still fits into my theory, hmm. which I still have not talked about, but I will, I promise. I, okay, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to beat the union theory, but you can try. Uh, it's more likely, at least. <laughs> so... <laughs> Kibune comes in and is like, hey, it's not all doom and gloom. Two captains support our captain, so, you know, maybe they'll overturn the decision at some point. And Kira's just like, man, this fucker's been doing so much suspicious shit. Until Kibune's like, are you, why are you staring? Do I have something on my face? And Kira just asks him, he's like, hey, why were you at the K Kasumi Yoji, like, place? Just straight up in front of everyone. And Kibune just, like, laughs it off. Oh, that could possibly have been me. You, uh, you mistook me. You you thought someone else was me. Though, you know, you were completely wrong. And Kira can't exactly say, no, I was following you because you've been sketch. I was stalking you. Um, I was fucking... You. <laughs> I hate this kind of, like, interaction specifically. I'm, I'm, like, I firmly, firmly dislike the interactions where it's like, I saw you doing such and such thing. And then the person who did the thing being like, uh, no, I didn't. And it just being left up to the, like, word of mouth. Like, I hate that shit. I think it, I think it sucks. The thing that's really weird for me is he says this, everybody goes quiet. And then Kibune uh, is like, nah, it wasn't me. And everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah, you wouldn't do as dirty like that. And I'm like, what the, f what, why? <laughs> like, he, even if he was going, maybe he had an official reason to go, right? Like, it's. People talk God. to the noble families, pre presumably not all the time, but I don't think it would be that incredibly weird for him to go talk to the Kasumiyoji clan. Like, he could have just said, hey, I I had something to ask for about, about one of them, you know? Right. Like, one of their porters ran over my foot and I wanted to go ask, tell them to, to apologize or whatever. Like, I bumped there into a guy. There better and lies. <laughs> Like, I saw one of the nobles, like, dropped a pen, and I brought it to him. Like, <laughs> That would have been enough. Really... Like, that would have been enough for me. Yeah, there's a million different ways he could have just said... Oh, Don't worry about that. Um, I'm worrying about it. It's just some bottles. Don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, so... But, oh, God, I lost my place. No, the worst thing that could happen. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, surprise, there are Menos attacking Soul Society now. <laughs> like, 
they're still laughing off the the Kibuna thing, and then it's like Menos are attacking, Menos are attacking. Uh, so Squad Three as a whole are like, let's go and prove our metal, and they're super gung ho. And Kira's like, no, this we should wait for details. We should wait for a captain. Like, let's not just fucking run out and <laughs> try to murder stuff. And Kibune is like. You shouldn't ignore the enthusiasm everyone has just because you want to wait for a captain's go-ahead. And the one big guy in the group is like, well, can't be helped. Kibune, take command. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, everyone Damn. in Squad 3 thinks the same. And the whole group, sans Kira, go out. Uh, one of the very few parts of this episode that actually is clear in my mind is that moment where Kira's just standing there and they're like, well, we got to go do something. Kibune, you're on you're on it. And then Kibune is just like, huh, you heard them, Kira. You heard they like me more than you. Is it, doesn't that get under your skin, big boy? Like, God, it sucks. It's really funny. It is. Like, it's just, it's a nightmare. And it makes, I've never seen anything in Soul Society work the way that this sort of pans out. <laughs> Before, like, there's usually quite, like, a solid order, right? Like, the chain of command is relatively important. And instead, <laughs> uh, this fucking evil gay man walks up and it's like, I've turned all your men against you. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, it's... I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a naval-specific term, but, like, this is a fucking mutiny. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like, they're just actively going against the chain of command. These bitches would be court-martialed. Yes. Yeah, no, this is absolutely a mutiny and or insur- like it's it's insubordination at the very least, like clearly. Yeah. Um, you know. They they make like a passing remark about it later, but it's like it's clear that at this point, Kibune is one of the guys and Kira is absolutely not and never has been one of the guys. Um and the guys fucking hate him. God. You would think that this would be, uh, they would reflect on his their hatred of him because they're treating him like how the rest of the soul society treats them. It's it's a metaphor, you see. God. Class consciousness. Oh. Anyways, so we cut to like squad 11 and 7 just like clashing in the streets, arguing about who's going to be the first to get to attack the Menos. Uh, Toshiro leaves squad 10 on guard duty because he's like, it's f- these are Menos Grunt. It's fucking weird that we don't have eyewitnesses. Like, who called mm-hmm. this in? Also, why is no one seeing anything? This is weird. So you know, he leaves. Squad Ten like just sits around, and Ragi who turns her head and she saw she sees Mayuri with a sign that's like "fuck off, everyone." This is a rare occurrence. Let me capture and dissect it. <laughs> what the fuck is? What is happening? Clown shoes all around. <laughs> this is at least somewhere around the point where I lost all, like, lost, I lost the plot, y'all. I, I did not know what was happening in this episode anymore at this point. I saw Menos, I was like, damn, that's, that's crazy. I saw my area, I was like, fuck, dude, that's insane. And then none of it was retained. Like, it literally, I, it went into my eyes and my ears, I, I I witnessed it happening. Nothing. I got, I got nothing. I have no memory of what happened. 
Yeah, um, understandable, because at this point, Kira is chasing after his squad, and he tells them, hey, hold up, it's fucking weird that not a single person has seen where the goddamn Manos is. We should pull back. We should, we right. should stop. And his squad is just fully against him. We cut to Shunsui, who, like, gets a report that a bunch of the squads are, are clashing together, and he and Toshiro just, like, have a little chat where they're like, I think this is fake. This is probably fake. And then Ukitake is like, I'm pretty sure this is fake. And then Yamamoto shows up and he says, that's because it is fake. <laughs> and God. then we cut, we cut to Kira and Kubune again, and Kira's like, I am your fucking vice captain, and I will beat the shit out of all of you if you don't set back. Like, we have to go. And Kibune says, fine, try me. Um, but it's all diffused by Amagai. He does give, like, a little, a quick passing, like, hey, Kibune, like, chain of command. You you don't give orders to Kira. Kira gives orders. Like, Kira's in charge when I'm not here, kids. Fucking deal with it. Um, and then he, like... He tells his squad to go uh, to go give orders to the other squads. And Yamamoto is, like, at the same time telling Ukitake that these are fake menos that he made. <laughs> uh, to test Amagai out specifically. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck, like, man? Bro? Oh, it's a drill. It's I... a menos drill, I see. I always forget what the squad one lieutenant's name is. Um, but he turns to Yamamoto and is like, what's what's going on? What the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I did it. I'm something of the Joker now. <laughs> me and my practical jokes in my old age, you know me. The thing- Don't worry about it. I've just conjured some fucking Menos Grande <laughs> to scare the pants off the young men. God. I, the, the thing that gets me is that were I not actively looking at the wiki so I can have any semblance of idea of what is happening in this episode as you were talking about it, I would not believe you. I would not believe this is what actually happens in this episode, but it's there. I see it. I, yeah, because so at, this, <laughs> at this point, a bunch of Menos like actually show up. Amagai sends his squad out. To, he sends out five specific guys, which are, like, the two guys who get speaking roles and then an extra, like, two dudes uh, <laughs> uh, who just, like, hang around with him and have suddenly developed distinct hairstyles since the last couple of episodes. Oh, uh, God. And then they're, like, he pulls out his, like, weird tuning fort, which at this point I'm starting to wonder, is this thing a Bakoto? And he taps it, it on the sword, and he does, like, a giant light show, and he's like, please do what my squad says. And then we get, like, this little montage of him. It's really weird, because he gives an order, and then it cuts to one of his dudes hanging out with one of the vice captains in their squad, and then they don't relay the order, they just say, please do what he just said. <laughs> And then the vice captain does it, which is like, I feel like they should have, they should have tried to sell a little bit harder that like, either the only reason that they can, that the vice captain can hear the order in the first place is because the person from squad three is there, or the person from squad three is relaying the exact order, like they have a connection to Amagai or something, like something like that. Because as it is, it just feels like everybody can hear him, he gives the order, and then... 
the person, whoever from Squad 3 is next to a vice captain just goes, yeah, that thing. <laughs> and then they do it. God. Uh, but this at this is how point, an army works. Yeah. And, and, like, at this point, we come to my theory. This crew, this group of Squad 3, they're the next Ninja Freak Squad. They're going to be the Ninja Freak Squad that take up the same Bakoto, and they're going to be led by Kibune. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. The big guy, he's he's going to make the giant rock walls and fight Chad. Or maybe he's going to fight he's gonna fight one of the captains, I guess. Most probably. Chad's already had a fight. He doesn't get a second fight in an arc. But, you know. I I think okay. <laughs> so the reason I don't disagree is because I I did have the realization, uh like it, it finally clicked for me, like as I was reading off the notes for my episode, that the Bako- the Bakoto or like it, it was from something you said, Sam, that was um akin to like um the sword doesn't have an upper limit. It um like it'll just move on to the next person. It didn't click for me into that moment that the Bakoto were like by design meant to be a generational weapon. Um, in that like you you take it, you give it to a guy. It fills up with their energy until it kills the guy and the next person gets it. And that as like a weapon is very interesting in concept to me. I think that's very cool. My problem with the idea that this squad of idiots is going to be the the next to take up the sword. uh, I hate that because I don't give a shit about any of them. (laughs) I don't even know any of their names. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, they're just four hateful goobers that shit on Kira all day long. Like, we don't, we don't like them, but at this point, we recognize them. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they're going to get... They're just going to re-get the same, like, four Bakotos that we've seen so far. God, I hope not. I would love to see something new. Same. One of these guys is going to turn into a little coral freak that rains swords out of his back. <laughs> don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah, and at this point, to, just to end the episode, uh, Kira spots Kibune up on a building, like using his VR glasses to read War and Peace or something. I don't fucking know what he's doing. He's just got like streams of data going down his glasses, and he's looking at the Menos fighting. Um, whatever, it's not important, I guess. Uh, but the Menos are, like, all downed. Yamamoto goes, I approve the joint training exercises. And out in the foggy mist, Kira sees, this is presumably later, Kira sees Kibune release a hell butterfly. Dun dun dun. I guess this is an action that Shinigami do, like, several times a day, every single day, so it shouldn't be that weird. And- <laughs> But he saw him do it, and we never see it happen on screen, so it has to be important. Yes. Like God, this is literally how, how they send letters. This is how they send letters to each other. Like literally. God. It was it was presumably happening hundreds of times during the whole Menos thing. You know, for all of our criticisms of Bleach, I feel like there's one thing we can all like universally praise, and that's its subtlety. <laughs> 
Oh, it's one of the most subtle, sort of intricate, gentle things I've ever seen, right? It really handles things uh, deftly, I think is the phrase that comes to mind. It's very nuanced. I'm just, going into the po- I'm just going into the post credit scene now. I, I'm, just, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, cannot, I cannot do the bit with you, sorry. I apologize, but I'm just going no, into the post scene. No, no, you're valid. <laughs> Get those That's, extra sauce packets in your mouth. Come on, let's go. <laughs> we go to school, and Ichigo's teacher is showing off the list of, quote, heroes selected for after-school lessons this week. <laughs> Um, Keigo is upset that he's been chosen. Ichigo rises him a little, but whoops. He's also part of these heroes, and he's like, but I did fine on the test. And she's like, yeah, but your attendance sucks. You piece of shit delinquent, come to detention. <laughs> you fuck. It's like, God. you worm. <laughs> it's like, all right. God. I like to imagine that he does use Khan to, like, it... Inset- and as soon every time he tur- he like hands his over his body over to Khan, Khan just immediately just stands up and goes, "I'm leaving school and playing hooky," and then leaves. Jesus Christ! Oh, well, I will say this: we've made it through another one, folks. We did it. They're fun to watch, but there's yeah, no, I en- I enjoyed watching these as much as I could. Yeah, the second episode just has... God, it, it's, like, really making me realize I don't give a shit about Kibune as just the obvious villain. No! Like. <laughs> Wait, you, you gave a shit? For the new Captain Shusuke Amagai arc, I really don't give a shit about any of this. God. Yeah. Like, the only character that is, like, around that I even, like... Even, like, hardly care about at this point like, of the filler characters, is actually Amagai himself, and that's only because there is that part of me that hopes that he's not gonna just, like, be evil, actually. I kind of just want him to be, like, weird and, like, you know, kind of a silly guy. I want him to exist in that space and just be that. My prediction for Amagai is that it's going to be something like one of his squad mates does something fucked up because Kibune got them to and then he's going to end up fighting a captain or two or fighting Ichigo because he's protecting his like he's he seems to be the guy that's like I don't know what this situation is but it looks like you're fighting my guy so I'm gonna go fight him I'm going to go fight you to protect my guy and then once everyone's settled down we'll figure out what's happening so my read is my this pre- is going to happen, and it's going to put him in direct conflict with Yamamoto. <laughs> my prediction is Kibune is going to kill him. Also, I don't know why. My prediction is that they're going to put him up on the cross, and they're going to burn his body for being such a silly Billy. <laughs> well, two of our three predictions there- could happen at the same time. I think <laughs> we, we're go- we're going back to Sokyoku Hill, folks. <laughs> God. How dare you use that forbidden word that starts with U and ends with N. What? Capital punishment. Talking about unions. Oh. <laughs> right. The I, reason I, for okay. the ex- execution, right? Like, the, the reason they would yeah, get executed. Yeah, of course. Kill, 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 you see. 
Of course. Okay. Leo is screaming. Starting a union's real silly Billy behavior. (laughs) It is really silly Billy behavior is the thing. (laughs) Oh, that that'll do it for this week though, folks. I'm going to let Sam end his hunger. Um, this has been It'll Wash Out. You can find us on Twitter at BleachCast. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. And you can find my Twitch I never stream at, at Lavender Paws. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. You can find me on Twitter at MonkeyPyQuinn. That's M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N. This one went a bit long, but you know what? Have a great week. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you all enjoyed the season one recap I dropped on Saturday. Stay cool, Chads. I'm doing great. Gaumai